The following audio is from Maranatha Chapel, located in San Diego, California. For more information about Maranatha Chapel, please visit www.maranathachapel.org. Hallelujah, 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 Lord, you are good. It is good to be outside in San Diego, and um, for those of you that are kind of sitting, you know, over on that side, you can look up and see the new moon. That's why we're here tonight, the celebration of the new moon. Well, I want to welcome uh, all of you that came out tonight. So glad that you are here, live and in person. This is actually kind of nice outside, under the stars. But we also want to welcome those who are listening by radio tonight, KSDW, from Temecula, Marietta, all the way down to San Diego. Let's welcome them. And we welcome all those who are watching online, we have not only missionaries and, and ministers that are around the world in different countries, but we also have our men and women who are serving in the various armed services so that we can have freedom. Let's let them know we appreciate them as well. Well, I want to give you a little brief introduction before we start talking about this momentous night and this momentous weekend. This last Tuesday on September the 15th at the White House, our President Trump and Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu joined the foreign ministers of the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain to recognize the historic peace treaty between Israel and two Arab countries. They are calling it the Abrahamic Accord. And they said this will change literally the course of history. And also it marks the dawn of a new Middle East. The president went on to say this last Tuesday, together these agreements will serve as the foundation for a comprehensive peace across the entire region, something which nobody thought was possible, certainly not in this day and age. These agreements prove that the nations of the region are breaking free from failed approaches of the past. Today's signing sets history on a new course, and there will be other countries very, very soon that will follow these great leaders. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu went on to describe the day as a pivot of history, a new dawn of peace. Now, the last time that there was such a ceremony that took place in Washington was in 1994. Our president was then Bill Clinton. He looked on as Israeli Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin and Jordanian uh, King Hussein signed a declaration that paved the way for a peace deal months later. Now, here's what I want to share with you tonight. Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. And I want you to listen to this. Daniel 9:27 says, "Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week." And a week is a period of seven years. 
He shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, which is seven years. The Hebrew word for many is rob. And that is the very name of the prime minister who signed the Oslo Accords in 1993 with President Clinton and Yasser Arafat. His name was Yitzhak Rabin. And the root word of Rabin is Rab, and his name means many. Literally, in the Bible, in Daniel 9.27, it says, they will confirm a covenant literally between Israel and many other nations, and Rob will be the centerpiece. Now, the Oslo Accords were signed, and we thought, wow, peace is breaking out. But about three and a half years into it, then Yasser Arafat said no, and he went into an intifada, and everything kind of fell apart. But in many ways, what we have in Daniel 9.27 is that there will come a time when they will take a covenant that began well, but ended not so well, and they will strengthen it, they will revisit it like Rob or like Rabin. And I believe that by the signing this week on Tuesday, and by the end of the day, I don't know if you noticed, but with the few countries that were involved, by the end of the day, they were already declaring nine additional nations are looking to join the peace deal with Israel, including Saudi Arabia. The covenant with many is developing right now. And I want to declare to you tonight, this is the most exciting prophecy being fulfilled since the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Because it announces to us, we are not long for this world. The king is coming and it is time to wake up and get ready for his return. I cannot believe how fast things are unfolding. This week was very amazing as well. We lost a justice of the Supreme Court, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who is Jewish, uh, and it, all of this happening during the very week of and time of the Feast of Trumpets. It's a divine appointment, and God is wanting to get our attention. So I want you to, I, here's something that I'm going to add. Um, I have a, a brand new book coming out, uh, and it's available for pre-sale right now. It's called The Cyrus Mandate. I can't wait for you to read it because it talks about everything going on right now. And I want to begin by saying, I don't, I'm not going to get any money from this. I'm not doing it for that. This is to get a message out in a story that tells ancient prophecies, 2,500-year-old prophecies that are happening now in modern language. And I think you're going to be amazed at everything that we got into it, including the Abrahamic Accord. So it's now available for pre-sale, and I hope that you will get it. The hour has come when all of Israel and the remnant of believers among the nations should get ready to say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We're seeing an acceleration of prophecy like we've never seen before. We are living in wow days. Can you say wow? 
Now listen, tomorrow I'm going to be giving, tomorrow morning we, we meet on Solomon's porch and I'm glad to say tonight, we, we were wondering, should we do Solomon's porch? But I'm glad we didn't. We wouldn't have had room for all of you. So praise God. But we'll be meeting there tomorrow morning, and I will be doing part two of the message I'm going to begin tonight. I want to talk about the Feast of Trumpets specifically tonight, the significance of it. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to go into the details of the prophecy that is the Abrahamic Accord that I'm telling you is the most significant prophecy being fulfilled right now since the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that will be tomorrow morning. But let's bow our heads and pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you. And as I realize tonight, we're all here. There's no ceiling above us other than the stars, the planets, the sky, and that new moon. And therefore, I feel you very present. I, I feel and experience the presence of our Heavenly Father. And surely your eye and the eye of our Savior your son, the Lord Jesus, is seeing those who have gathered together tonight in your name, in your honor, for your kingdom, for your glory, who are calling upon your name and worshiping you in spirit and in truth. So Lord, we pray for all of those who are listening to the message tonight. May the church hear what the Spirit is saying to her, not just to hear it, not just to learn maybe some new interesting things, but Lord, we pray that it would be a seed planted in our heart that would bear fruit and that would be activated, that would be given faith, that would change our lives for eternity in Jesus' name. We pray and ask all of these things and everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right, so today is called Yom Teruah, which means the day of blowing trumpets and therefore it's called the Feast of Trumpets. <laughs> And basically, God just said, so he gave seven feasts. There are seven feasts in the Bible. In Leviticus chapter 23, you can read all about them. There are four in the spring. Then there is a summer harvest where there are no feasts. And then there are three more feasts in the fall. Uh, we're at the first of the last three. The first four that are in the spring are Passover, Unleavened bread, first fruits, and Pentecost. Now, what's amazing is all seven of the feasts, and by the way, the word feast in Hebrew, moed, means divine appointment. The children of Israel had, God said, Look, I'm going to meet you, I'm going to come down from heaven and let you experience my divine manifest presence seven times a year on these seven days. How many of you, if you knew God was going to show up, and it was on your day planner, you'd want to be there to see the presence of the living God. And they're called holy convocations. The Hebrew word for that means rehearsals. Every year they did these seven feasts, seven divine appointments with God in Jerusalem. All Jews had to be there from all over the world. And they were rehearsals. They did them for over 1,500 years. But if you're rehearsing, there will come the night when it's no longer the rehearsal, but it turns into the reality. And one year, on the divine appointment called Passover, 
Jesus, the Lamb of God, was literally crucified, his body broken, his blood shed, and it went from being a rehearsal to the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. The, the next second feast is on the next day. It's called unleavened bread. Leaven in the Bible is a type of sin. And on the second day, of course, that evening, they took his body and they wrapped it in cloth and they buried it in a tomb. And so he was buried on the feast of unleavened bread. He was holy and without sin, but he literally fulfilled it by being buried. The third day, or actually the third feast is on the third day. It's called the feast of first fruits. They were to bring in the first fruits of the harvest. And on the third day, Jesus was the first human being to rise from the dead forever and ever and ever. And 50 days later, so literally, if you're a Jewish person and you're practicing the feast and you're there with Jesus and he's crucified on Passover, buried on unleavened bread. He resurrects on the Feast of First Fruits. And the 50th day, Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is poured out. Literally, it was fulfilled. And the church was born. 3,000 got saved. So boom, 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 four in a row pointing to Jesus as the Messiah. And then you have the summer harvest, no feasts which is basically the church age, 2,000 years, where God takes a Jew and a Gentile and he puts them together and makes one new man the church. But we are now on the far end of summer. We are about a week from going into fall. And tonight is the beginning of the fall feasts. And the next feast to be fulfilled is the Feast of Trumpets. And I believe that's when the bride, the church, gets caught up together to go into heaven and be with him. Now, the Feast of Trumpets is also known as Rosh Hashanah. And what that means is Rosh means head, and Hashanah means of the year, the head of the year. This is the Jewish New Year today. And according to ancient Dr Jewish tradition, it was on this day that God created Adam and Eve. This is known as the birth of the world, the birth and the birth date of humanity. And so they greet one another by saying, Shana Tova. Everybody say, Shana Tova. That means, may you have a good year. Happy New Year. And it's to be on the first day of the seventh month. So the Jewish people follow the lunar moon calendar, so they have to make sure that they get the first day. And that's that little moon, that little thumbnail. That means it's the beginning of the seventh month right now. But guess what? They were worried. What if we miss it? You know, sometimes for, you had to have two priests in Jerusalem that could see the, and witness. Yeah, that's the new moon. Today is the right day. They didn't want to miss the day at all. Sometimes there'd be clouds or there you couldn't really see. And so was it yesterday or was it today? So guess what? From ancient times until today, they began celebrating. It was in the Bible one day, the first day of the seventh month called the Feast of Trumpets. But to make sure they got at least the right day, from ancient times, they began celebrating the Feast of Trumpets over two days every year. 
Therefore, it became known as the feast you don't know the day or the hour. So when Jesus said, I'm coming back for you, but you won't know the day or the hour, it would be like an American saying, you know, I've been overseas, I'm coming home to the family, I can't tell you the day, but you guys will be getting around the table and eating Thanksgiving turkey dinner. So what do you know that he's coming for Thanksgiving? And I believe Jesus was saying that his coming for the church would be on the day of the blowing of trumpets. You don't know the day or the hour. So you might not make it to go to work tomorrow. Let me just put it that way. Or this week. Now in Exodus 19, we see one of the most incredible things the world has ever experienced. The Lord gathered the children of Israel after he took them out of Egypt. And there were some three million of them, and he brought them to the base of a mountain called Mount Sinai. And as they came to the base of Mount Sinai, God left heaven and came down to the top of the mountain in the form of a cloud and fire and smoke and lightning and earthquake. And then he said, okay, I'm going to put a boundary down here around the base of the mountain, but I want you to come near. And they were at the base of the mountain. And then suddenly, as they're looking up to the top of the mountain and the cloud there, they began to hear a supernatural trumpet from heaven. The trumpet they heard became louder and louder and louder and louder and louder until it reached a climax of volume And suddenly, out of that extreme volume of the trumpet, Father God, God Almighty, Yahweh, spoke. And they heard the voice of God. So here's what I want to say to you. There there was a few couple of months, I think it was now ago, I went to see a friend of mine named Robert Mawiri. And with my daughter, Annie, and uh, I, I felt like Robert, you know, was to pray for me. And, and so he has a very special ministry and anointing. And he laid hands on me and I'm there and, and I had a vision. And in the vision, I was on a mountain. I went down the mountain and I, I saw below like all the people. It was like the children of Israel, but it was kind of like you guys. It was kind of like my brothers and sisters. They were all down at the mountain. And then I, I saw this... Uh, I thought it was a horse with wings. It was a horse coming and there were wings, but then as it got closer, I realized, oh, it's not a winged horse. It's a horse with an angel on it. And he was galloping right at me. I was like, he's gonna run me over. So it's coming, I'm just totally transfixed. And the the angel, you know, had these eyes of fire and he's looking at me and he comes right next to me. And I didn't, I was just kind of like this, like, I don't know what to do. And he reached down, grabbed my arm and pulled me up. And the next thing I know, I'm with him behind him on the horse running down the mountain. And all of you are at the base of the mountain. (laughs) So I get down a certain way, but I'm still not all the way down. I'm part of the way down. And the angel, next thing I know, he's got me off and he's standing there and and, and he's pointing like, preach to them. So I started preaching. And all of a sudden, I heard the sound of the glorious voice of God. And I looked back up and I saw at the top of the mountain, the Shekinah glory of God at the top of the mountain. 
And man, when you see the Shekinah glory of God, and then, so I'm like, kind of halfway, I'm looking at that, and I look back, and I see all you guys, and I see the light shining on all of your faces, and then I said, oh, guys, he's inviting us up the mountain, come, follow me, and we all together went up to the top of the mountain into the Shekinah glory of God. And I believe that this Rosh Hashanah, this Feast of Trumpets, we are crossing something It's hard for me to describe, but we are going into new land. We are crossing the Jordan River. We're going into new territory. We're walking into where God will manifest his presence in a divine way like we've never seen before. This is the hour in the day of visitation like we've never known before. In Leviticus 23, 23 and 24, it says again, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the sons of Israel saying, in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall have a rest. So on Rosh Hashanah, you're not supposed to do any work. A reminder by blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. That's all it says. It says on this day, rest, don't do any work, and then make sure you blow loud trumpets and remember. But it doesn't tell you what to remember. So what are we supposed to remember? So here we are, we have a day of rest. We're gathering together for a holy convocation. But I believe that what God is wanting us to remember and the children of Israel to remember was that day when they were at the bottom of the mountain and God at the top of the mountain and they heard the trumpet. Remember the trumpet. Remember how loud the trumpet became. Louder and louder and louder. And the great loud noise of the blowing of the trumpet was the sign that God was about ready to manifest his, his glory and his presence. Right before he spoke, what happened? The shofar blew to announce his presence. So the blowing of the shofar reminds us that God's glory is about to be revealed. It announces the manifest glory of God is about to be revealed. So what I'm doing is I'm getting you ready because the whole point of this whole service tonight is at the end, I'm going to ask you to, you know, make noise, blow the shofars and trumpets that we have, and we're going to go as loud as we can so that God can manifest his divine glory upon us starting tonight. This is why when they coronated a king, In ancient Israel, they would blow the shofar because it was a sign that God's voice, presence, blessing, and anointing would be upon the king. Now listen to this. In the New Testament, Revelation chapter 1 verse 10, it says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like the sound of a trumpet. John was about to encounter God. And what does he hear? a voice that sounds like a trumpet. A little bit later, Revelation chapter four, verse one says, after these things I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven and the first voice which I had heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after these things. Again, He heard a loud trumpet and then the glorious presence of God. Then in Revelation chapter 8 verse 6, it says, And the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound them. 
And again, in Revelation 11, 15 and 16, it says, Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever and ever and ever. So let's think about that. Blowing the trumpet announces the presence of the glory of God in the Old Testament as well as in the New. Now, how does that apply to you and me? Because the Lord wants our lives living with the expectation that when the trumpet sounds, we're ready to go be with the Lord. Are you ready for that? Now, listen. Jesus told a parable in Matthew chapter 25. You probably have read it, heard sermons about it. It's about 10 virgins, and they're waiting for the bridegroom. And all of those who were gathered together, all 10 believed in the bridegroom. All of them had a love for the bridegroom. But Jesus said the bridegroom did not come when they were expecting. He delayed his coming. He did not, and so he didn't come yesterday. He did not come the day before, or the month before, or the year before. And all of a sudden, there were five of the virgins who stopped looking for the bridegroom. They became weary, and they literally got sleepy, and they fell asleep. Jesus specifically said, because the bridegroom had delayed Five of the ten virgins fell asleep. They stopped looking for the bridegroom. They stopped expecting. They thought, well, since he hasn't come, he's probably not coming today. And then suddenly, the bridegroom came. Jesus is saying, and I'm going to come. And only five of the ten were looking, were able to enter into the presence of the bridegroom. Jesus commands us in such a way that we are to live with the expectation he could come at any moment. We're to live holy lives. Don't say, well, I'll repent later, I'll get right later, or you will be caught off guard. You think it's longer than it would have taken, and therefore you take your eye as it were off the prize. And Jesus said there are many that will be caught short in that day. We cannot think that way. Now listen to this, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 and 52. It says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised. Hallelujah. 1 Thessalonians 4.16, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will arise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. And that word in Latin, people say, well, the word rapture is not in the Bible. Well, it is if you, read, if you speak Latin. The Latin Bible says caught up is the Latin word rapturos. So it is a Latin word in a language, Latin, very respectable language. So it's there, and it could happen at any moment. 
And therefore, we be, must be looking for him. Now, I want to leave you with this scripture, and then we're going to get ready to make noise. In fact, you know what? I'm going to ask all of you to stand up because we're going to get ready. You got to get ready. We're going to make some noise until the glory of God manifests his presence. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and get ready. But I want to leave you with Isaiah 45, verse 22. It's a simple text. Twelve words. Look unto me and be ye saved. All the ends of the earth. A dozen words that can save your soul. It can save our soul if we pay heed to these words. It's very simple. It just simply says, look. Looking does not take a lot of work. It does, it's not like lifting your foot or even lifting your finger. It's just look. You do not have to go to college to learn how to look. But there are many people in this world who are looking to yourselves. There is no use in looking into yourself. You will never find peace. You will never find hope. You will never find comfort in yourself. You will only find darkness and despair. And right now, because of this virus and because of the economic weight and the anxiety and fear, there are literally millions of people around the world of seven billion people who are battling depression, anxiety, fear, suicidal thoughts. And I would add, though they do not realize it, they're battling demonic strongholds that want them to destroy themselves. Did you know the devil can't kill you, but he can make you kill yourself? And we need deliverance. You will only find darkness in yourself or despair in yourself. You need light. And there is only one who is light. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And Jesus Christ says tonight, look to me. Look to me. I am all you need. I am everything you need. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will forgive all of your sins. I'll give you the gift of eternal life. I knock at the door of your heart and I knock. And if you will open the door, I will come in, fill you with my spirit, give you the gift of eternal life, wash all your sins away by my blood. It's already been paid. So I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. And those who are watching online, listening by radio, those who are here live tonight, wherever you are, if there is even one, one, Listen, I want, you, I want to tell you that you're going to live eternally. You can't just take your life and then think it's all going to go to sleep and it's all over. No, you go on in darkness for eternity. And whatever pain you've had here now will only grow worse on into eternity. But it doesn't have to be that way. Jesus invites you. He says, I want to love you, fill you with my spirit. So he is, but he's a gentleman. He doesn't knock you down. He doesn't force his way. He's always been with you. But he knocks. 
And so I'm going to say a very simple childlike prayer, and I'm going to invite anybody and everybody here that wants to pray it, even if you know the Lord, to rehearse, remember the glorious, beautiful salvation that we have. But there may be somebody for the very first time, there may be somebody that you need to recommit your life. You don't know where you are with God. You're trying to, you're wandering back, but you don't know where or how to do it. It's this simple. You could be a young person. I was 11 years old, 10 or 11, when I gave my life to Christ. You could be old and say, well, I've tried church and religion. It didn't seem to work. I still am empty. You're not too old. You're not too young. You're not too good. And you're not even too bad that he will accept you. So let's say this simple childlike prayer. Those who are listening, would you join in with me? And the Bible says all of heaven rejoices when even one sinner repents because eternity, I don't know if you realize this, is a very long time. You don't want to mess around with it. So let's pray this prayer out loud after me. Dear Lord, I admit that I am a sinner and I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I'm so sorry for everything I've done wrong. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross in my place. I open the door of my heart. And I ask you to come into my life. To be my personal Lord and Savior. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit. I receive the gift of eternal life. Now help me follow you, Jesus. All the way to heaven. Until I see you face to face. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Welcome. Welcome into the family. Heaven is rejoicing. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Maranatha Chapel. If you haven't already, please subscribe for weekly messages. Feel free to share this podcast and join us for our weekend services held Saturday evening or Sunday morning. Visit our website at www.maranathachapel.org for more information.